Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are currently in a series that we're calling a Summer Mixtape. Summer Mixtape, so as you guys came in, if you're here early this morning, you might hear some different music playing, some of those old uh, mixtape songs that some of y'all don't even know what a mixtape is because you weren't around when you had to sit and record it onto the tape, and it was good times. So... Um, but we, you got some music playing that, um, that maybe you, brings you back to some of your more youthful years. And um, we just hope that during this series you might hear a message too that years from now you can look back on. You can say, you know what, that one really hit me in my heart. That one was something I'm, I'm really hanging on to um, for years to come. And so for the, the, the month of July, we're having a lot of fun um, listening and hearing how God is speaking to us. And it's just a, a great, great, great series that I hope is going to hold a special place in your heart for years from now. So um, it was my birthday week on uh, 20, 2020. So everything was kind of shut down, but not really. We were just starting to come out of, you know, the COVID shutdowns and everything like that. And um, if you guys don't know me, uh, my wife loves to, to make my birthday a big deal. Um, actually, she knows that I love for her to make my birthday a big deal. And so because she loves me, she does it. And so this year, 2020, um, we couldn't go stay in any hotels or anything like that when we were you know, traveling because obvious reasons, COVID and all that. But what we, what we could do was we, she, she surprised me every day on the week of my birthday with something different. And so she would take me to a day trip somewhere and we'd go and have fun for the day and come on back. There's so many things to do within driving distance of, of Irvin. It's crazy. Um, it's, it's really crazy how many things are around here. And so uh, one of the days, um, she didn't tell me what we were doing. Like, that's, she, I love surprises. I love being surprised. I hate when surprises get ruined for me. Um, so just know that about me it, before you ruin any surprises. Like, I'll, the, the wrath will come down. Um, so anyway, we're, we, she's surprising me, and we pull onto the interstate. I can't remember which way we went. But uh, she ends up taking me to a place called um, Santa Claus, Indiana. I did not know that this place existed. Uh, it's really funny to me. Santa Claus, Indiana. And so as we're, as we're driving, we drove, we drove hours, right? And, and then all of a sudden, on the right side, I see this huge wooden roller coaster, this giant roller coaster. And at this point, I'd figured it out, okay? Like, I can, I can put two and two together. Okay, we're going to a theme park. Unless she was trying to play a trick on me, and then that would have been really cruel. And she said, no, you're, no, we're not. And then turned around. That would have been funny, but terrible. So we're going to uh, this theme park, Holiday World. I don't know. You guys, who's been to Holiday World? Let me see your hands. Nobody here. Well, you're not going to get this story at all. Okay, so we roll up to Holiday World. You're going to have to just visualize with me then, okay? So we roll up to Holiday World. We get in the parking lot. If you've not been, you need to go. It's really fun. And... Uh, Holiday World did not sponsor this message, by the way. I'm not, this is not a paid advertisement. 
for, for them. But we pull up and we get into the parking lot. And if you've ever been to Holiday World before, um, I had this idea of what this theme park would look like, right? It was a rolled in and huge wooden roller coaster. We pull in this parking lot and it looks like there's not been construction or anything in this parking lot since the 70s. Like this thing... It's not even paved. They've got gravel everywhere. And I'm looking around. I'm starting to get a little bit worried, right? Because, like, this is a big, big trip, and we're supposed to be having fun. We pull up, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. This looks worse than the county fair so far. I don't, I've never been to this one here, so I don't know how it is. But I know the fair barn's awesome, right? Just, <laughs> I'm trying to dig my whole cover out. Uh, so anyway, we pull up, and then, and then we get out of the car, and we start walking up to the, the ticket booth. And, and I'm telling you, as we're walking up, it gets worse and worse. Like, I'm looking at this ticket booth, and paint is chipping off, and, like, it just looks terrible. And I look at Cassie, and I'm like, are you sure? And she said, well, let's try it out. And I said, okay, let's do this thing. And, and so... We both have this fear that, okay, if this park is anything like the entrance, because for me, if I'm walking into somewhere, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to put my best foot forward. The first, the first few things that people see, I want it to be nice, right? Like, like maybe they get in, as, <laughs> the, at least the first impression was good. But no, this is not the case with Holiday World. So we get in, and then I'm looking around like, the inside of this park is nothing like the outside at all. We get into the, the booth and everything's freshly painted. We get inside the park, everything's freshly painted. The rides are all working. They're in good order. And it just, it was great. It was, we had a, a whole lot of fun um, the, the whole trip. We spent all day there and it was a really great time. But um, we ended up, you know, having a, having a good one and, uh, if you guys know us, you know we love Christmas, and so it's even better because right when you walk in, it's all Christmas-themed. It's great, except it was like 90 degrees, so it didn't make much sense, but just we lived with it. It was good, but we had a great time. So glad that we went, but I'm telling you, when we first pulled up, I had this expectation of what I was about to experience. So we're on the road pulling in. I see this giant coaster. I'm like, man, this is going to be great. Then we get in the parking lot. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be terrible. And then we get inside the park. I'm thinking, okay, this might be great. And we had this expectation of what we we're going to experience. And it was completely blown out of the water. Our expectations were nothing like what we ended up experiencing and I wonder this morning if you've ever been in a situation that didn't meet your expectations. If you've ever been in a situation that it ended up drastically different than what you thought it was going to. Or um, as you're, even as you were inside of the situation, you thought it was going to end one way and it took a hard right turn and ended a different way. See, many times we talk about how our expectations that, that we had set or um, somebody, somebody didn't come through for us or our expectations uh, that we the experience fell short of what our expectations were set at. But this morning, I really want to look at the lighter side of this. What do we do when we have set our expectations too low and in one moment everything changes? And our expectations are just completely blown out of the water. Have you ever set your expectations too low and, and then you've been surprised by what's been on the other side? And maybe you've not been prepared for what is on the other side. So what do we do when God changes everything? This morning we're going to look at this story of this man 
that he was, ask, he was asking for one thing, but he was given something completely different. If you guys will turn with me, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it'll be on the screen behind me. It's also on your message notes. The title of today's message is Beautiful Expectation. You can follow along with me here. Let's read this together. Starting in verse 1 says this, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. They, they had named all of their, they had 12, they had gates that came in and, and they'd named all their gates. That was the thing that they did. And this gate was called the Beautiful Gate. And where he was put every single day at this beautiful gate in order um, to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So when it comes to our expectations, really, our expectations are based completely upon our experiences or our knowledge prior to that moment. And so even those of us that have been taught, right, to keep an open mind about things, we, we only know how to keep an open mind because sometime, somewhere prior, we were surprised by a result that we didn't expect or else we would have no hope to keep the open mind. And this man, he, he had his expectations set. He looked at Peter and John in that moment and and it said he expected to receive something from them. He had his expectations set. He was this crippled man and and he would sit at this gate called Beautiful every single day. I don't know what the gate really looked like, right? But we can only assume if you're going to name a gate called Beautiful, it's going to look pretty decent. And so he would sit at this gate every single day and he would ask for money from sun up to sun down. And listen, he'd even be carried there. Like, those are some good friends. I don't know what kind of friends you guys have in your life, but we need some kind of friends that, if we're crippled, are going to be able to carry us to the gate so we can beg for change all day. And, and then they'd carry him home at the end. Like, those are some good friends. I don't, I don't know what kind of friends you have, but, but those are some good ones. And day in and day out, he knew exactly what he could expect. He was on a routine. The mundane was this man's comfortable Okay, and, and he'd wake up, he'd get carried to the temple, he'd beg for spare change, he'd get carried home, he'd eat, he'd go to sleep, he'd do it all over again tomorrow. Day after day after day, he would sit in this place and he would beg the people going in the temple for money. And then Peter and John came by. These, these guys were two of Jesus' closest disciples. In fact, um, Peter and John, we know from Scripture, um, John would be Jesus' best friend. And Peter would be the one that Jesus entrusted the church to. Um, in fact, in the Catholic tradition, Peter would be recognized as the first pope, right? So, 
So Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, they came passing by. And let me tell you guys, if you are stuck in a rut your whole life, you're down on your luck, the odds are stacked against you, all it takes is a moment for God to change everything. And so Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple. Guys, they weren't even on mission right now. They were like, they were going to the temple so they could worship God. They were coming to church on a Sunday morning, not serving. And they're headed for the temple to worship God. And they passed across this man begging for change. And in a moment, everything for this man changed. See, there's a gap between our expectation and our experience. And we need to learn how to live in that gap well. Because this is honestly where you're going to spend most of your life. You're going to spend most of your life stuck, between, stuck in the gap between expectation and reality. Expectation and experience. And I don't think it would be too much to say that how we choose to handle this expectation gap has a great impact on the trajectory of your life. So on one hand, we have what we predict or hope for the future to be. And on, or the outcome of a specific situation. And then on the other hand, we have the reality of what we experience as the outcome. We have our expectation here, and we have a reality here. And most days we're stuck right here in the middle, wondering what is going to happen next. And we live our lives in the gap. And now in this gap, we either develop or we diminish. There's no... You, you don't get to stay stagnant. You're either, you're either growing through it or you're not. You're growing or you're shrinking. Your muscles are either growing or you're having, uh, what is it, apathy? What is it called? That's right, right? No, I don't know. Your, your muscles are growing or they're, they're shrinking. They're not staying the same. And this is how we handle our expectations. We're either growing through it or we're shrinking through it because what we fix our focus on usually is what our future looks like. Now, I'm not talking about manifesting, right? You guys have heard that word. We're manifesting our future or our, our destiny. I'm simply talking about the truth that when we, what we focus on is usually what comes to fruition. It's a spiritual principle. When I was younger... Um, Believe it or not, I have a black belt in Taekwondo. And when, when I was younger, uh, a lot of times we had to break boards for tests or demonstrations or things like that. And my dad took me aside one day and he taught me something that was really helpful for me. He took me aside and I was learning to break these boards or these blocks or whatever. And he simply told me this. He said, listen, visualize yourself breaking the board and then strike through it. And, then, and it wasn't a magic spell. It was the power of focus. What I focused on, what I visualized, ended up coming to fruition. And I'd end up breaking the board. I'd end up breaking the block. And it was a lot easier. In fact, it, the scriptural principle that I want to show you, uh, Psalm chapter 34, verse 3, read this with me, says this, Oh, what is that word? Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord with me. Whatever we focus on, Whatever we're magnifying grows within our perspective. And so I'm sure you've looked at something through a magnifying glass before, right? You look at it, and it's not that the object grows any larger or the world around it grows any smaller. What happens is our perspective is shifted. It shifts our perspective to where the, what's, what's within our focus, what's within our vision has grown larger, and the things around it have grown smaller 
within our perspective. And so our choice is this. When we're sitting in this expectation gap, our choice is this. Either we can magnify our situation or we can magnify God. We can focus on the Lord or we can focus on our situation. This is also how we handle this expectation gap. We can either magnify our hope or we can magnify our disheartenment. We can, uh, we can view the gap as a setback or we can view the gap as a setup. We can become frustrated or we can become filled with faith. How you frame your perspective matters in this moment. And as we look at this story of the crippled man at this beautiful gate, I have three things that I want us to focus on this morning in regards to handling our expectations. What do we do when God actually shows up? Number one, we know this, that number one, God won't meet your expectations because he wants to exceed them. God won't meet your expectations because he wants to exceed them. You might have big plans, big dreams, big aspirations for your life, but I can promise you this, that God's plans and God's hopes and God's dreams for your life are much bigger than anything that you can imagine. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is work that is at work within us. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. Our plans pale in comparison to what God wants to do for us, in us, and through us. So let's use this crippled man for an example, okay, for this, for this point. If God had given this man what he had asked for, he would have had money instead of healing. If, the, if, if, if Peter and John walked by and this man said, do you have any spare change? And they just gave him the spare change. This man would have money instead of healing. But God doesn't work like that. God doesn't meet your expectations. He exceeds our expectations. And so many times we think we know what we need when in all actuality what we think we need is so much less than what God knows we need. You're asking for spare change and God wants to give you life change. So today know this. If you've been praying for something specific and you, and you haven't gotten it yet, it might be because God has something bigger and better in mind for you. And you're just asking something too small. And in his perfect timing, God is going to make sure that you get not what you're expecting. He's going to make sure that you get not what you're desiring. God is going to make sure that you're getting what you need. Number one, God doesn't meet our expectations because he wants to exceed them. Number two... God's answer doesn't always come as a finished product. God's answer doesn't always come as a finished product. The Bible says here, as this, as this crippled man's legs were strengthened, as he rose up, you know, in that moment, he's probably feeling high on life. But guess what? He still has work to do. He still has stuff he's got to do after the miracle. He sat in front of this temple gate his whole life begging for spare change. That's all he knows. 
And now what happens? God's answer doesn't come as a finished product. This man still had to learn how to earn money, how to provide. He had experienced his miracle, but there were still things that he had to do in order to put his life back together again. It wasn't all packaged nice and and, and perfect for him and presented to him on a golden platter. No, and you this morning, you might have been freed from your addiction. You might have, have been freed from your crutch, your personality flaw. But listen, you still have work to do. You still have work to do. There are things in your life that are still going to take time and effort to fix. There are maybe some relationships that are wounded that are going to take time. They're going to take effort. They're going to take energy to fix. It's not all packaged nice and neat for you. See, if I was Peter or John, man... I would have lifted this man up and I, and I would have given him the money. Like, that's just, okay, dude, let's go. And I would, have, I would almost feel guilty not to. But I'm also a little bit dumb. <laughs> so I'm not as smart as God is. And, and God has this wisdom that, that he passed on to Peter and to John that they must have known this from spending so much time with Jesus that handling everything for somebody is not going to produce the full result that God desires. They could have given him the money, for, I mean, surely. But they didn't. Because they knew the whole scenario that if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. See, there are greater things in God's grand plan than just meeting your needs. There are greater things than just meeting the needs. So, Cassie and I, we moved back here um, to Irvin just a little over a year ago now is when we moved back. And, and when we moved back, we decided, you know what, we want to start all over, we want to start fresh. So we're getting like all new furniture and all this stuff, very exciting, uh, super, super duper exciting. The new bedroom set, the tables and the coffee bar. We ordered all, all these things, we bought all these things, some of them came online. Um, but did you guys know that pretty much any bit of furniture that you can buy today... Not only do you buy it, but you have to assemble it too. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that, but if you've bought a, even a coffee table recently, you've got to buy it, and then, you know what? You've got to put in free labor to put this thing together. You're like, what am I even doing here? What am I? You just, it kind of make, makes you want to sit on lawn chairs for a little while, which is exactly what we did for a few weeks in our house. It was great. Hot take, okay. I, but I am one of those people, I love putting stuff together. Like, just whatever. I, pray for me, I guess. I have something demented in me. There's a demon. I don't know. But I love putting this stuff together just to build it. I like to see the product, and I'll sit there for hours just putting it all together. And Cassie's like, thank God for you, because I couldn't do it. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the message. But most people, when we buy furniture, we would prefer for it to come already assembled. But that's not the way that these companies work. They put it in a box with way too much styrofoam that flakes out and that you have to vacuum up for hours later, right? Like, it's just flaking, just me? You guys don't experience it? Okay, I get a little aggravated at the styrofoam. But most people would prefer for it to come already assembled, but that's not the way that the company works. But also, most people would prefer that when God does something, he makes sure that all of the pieces are already put together for us in our sight, but God doesn't give us the finished product either. There's no growth in that. There's no learning in that. But this is what he does do. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Out of the New King, King James Version, New King James, I've been here too long, it says this, <laughs> And we know all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. The key word here, guys, is God works it together. He works it. All things by themselves are not necessarily good. But we can trust that God is working all things towards good. Let me give you an example. Have you ever eaten? Who in here loves cake? Raise your hands. Come on, son. Some of y'all just, yeah, I can tell who, who doesn't love the cake. Y'all are skin and bones. Okay, what did grandma say? Y'all need to eat some cake. Anyway, just kidding. I'm not shaming anyone in here. I'm shaming myself for loving cake too much. So if, you, if, you, if you've ever eaten cake before, I hope, I hope you have. But if not, I'll pray for you after the experience today. So if you've ever eaten cake before, I haven't had many slices of cake that I didn't enjoy. <laughs> okay, as you can tell. I haven't had many slices of cake that I, but I, didn't, that I didn't like. But have you ever tried to eat the cake deconstructed? Is that, that would be the term, right? I mean, and have you ever tried to eat just the ingredients by themselves? Disgusting. Okay, don't do it. One time at kids camp, I got a little bit too wild and I chugged four cups of, of raw eggs on a bet. I threw up everywhere. It was terrible. Those kids loved it though. So anyway, the ingredients by themselves are disgusting. and They don't compare to the finished product. So listen to me. God has taken all of your nasty ingredients in your life. And before all is said and done, he is going to make sure that the outcome is something that is good. As long as you love him and you're called according to his purpose. It doesn't, God's miracle doesn't come fully assembled for you. But what he is going to do is he is going to make sure that all of the pieces are working together. That before you're done here, it's all going to work to the good. God may not give you a finished product, but he'll always cause your pieces to fit together in a beautiful way for your good. Then finally, number three, management of God's answer is your responsibility. Management of God's answer, God's, God's miracle, God's doing, management of that, stewardship of that is your responsibility. This is, this is one of the most interesting things that I've seen in Scripture. I, I say that every week, but it just gets better and better every single week. So right here, after Peter and John healed this man, he stood up. There was no doubt that this man had been healed. And he stood up, and then, and then there's this really interesting detail right here in verse number 11. While this man, let's see it on the screen real fast. While, while this man held on to Peter and John... All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. This man's healed. His, his legs are strengthened. His ankles are strengthened. He's lifted up. And then one just, just, I don't know if you caught it or not, but just a couple verses later, he's leaning back on Peter and John. He's, he's holding on to them. It couldn't have been that this man's healing was lost. It doesn't work like that. God doesn't say, okay, you're not doing well with it anymore. Give it back. That's not how it works. 
It couldn't, have, it couldn't have been that this man didn't realize he was healed because he was just running around and dancing and jumping and praising. But I think this could be the explanation. God can give you your miracle and you can still live your life as someone who didn't experience it. This man got his miracle, but after the moment had passed, he reverted back to the comfortable. He reverted back to what he used to know. And he went back to leaning on Peter and John. How easy is it to experience God in an incredible way? And then after the moment has passed, after our emotions die down, we walk away and our lives never change because we go back to what we know. God just doesn't want us to come into the church to be inspired and then to leave. You're, maybe you come in here and you're like, this is a very inspirational church. I'm glad you feel that way. But if that's all we're doing, we're missing it. God doesn't want you to come in church and be inspired and then leave. Why? Because inspiration doesn't last. Inspiration fades when your emotions die down. God doesn't want you to experience inspiration he wants you to experience transformation he wants his the moment in his presence to change everything about you guys we don't preach a we don't preach a whole lot of of, of sin and God sending you to hell and things in this church but what I'll tell you is this that God has a desire for you that when you encounter him when you know him things in your life should change things in your life should line up they should start shifting, not because God says you have to, but because we want to. God doesn't want us to be, to be inspired. He wants us to be transformed. And so if you come in and you get some great ideas for your life going forward and you walk out those doors and you never put anything to, to, to practice or experience victory in any part of your life, it was a waste of words. God wants you to hear what he's speaking but more importantly, he wants you to experience his presence in a life-changing way. He wants your life to be transformed because of your interaction with him. Here's one final question I want to ask you this morning. If God gave you what you're asking for today, would you be ready to handle it? You can pray and pray and pray, and, but God won't give you something that's going to destroy you. He's not going to give you something that's going to cripple you. He knows better than that. Guys, you might be praying for a seat at the table. I don't know what table that is. Maybe it's a relationship that you're hoping to strike up. Maybe it's a promotion at work. Maybe you're playing, praying for a place in leadership. But know this. God does not want to place you where your character cannot sustain you. He doesn't want us to, to give you a seat at the table if the table is going to destroy you. There's too many people that I know, and I know it well, because I know, I know many people in ministry that they've been, they've been put up on this pedestal. And for years and years, people look to them, and they pull on them, and they tug on them. And all of a sudden... One story leaks out and their lives are just damaged and destroyed because in a moment of weakness, their character could not sustain their calling.
Their character could not sustain their position. God doesn't want that for you. You're praying for it. You're hoping for it. And you're saying, I don't know what's happening. But God doesn't want to put you in a position that's going to destroy you. And when I ask you, are you ready for what you're praying for? This is what I mean. Is your character strong enough that you're not going to crumble when you're put in the first potentially, potentially ethically compromising position? Is your character going to stand strong? Because there's, there's going to be temptation. There's going to, it's going to be there. Is your character going to crumble, though, when you're put there? The ethically compromising position, how are you going to handle it? See, God's going to test you, though. He's going to test you in small situations before he allows you to be placed in the big ones. So don't rush it. Where you're at today, enjoy it. Love it. Love what God has done to this moment, to this point in time. Be patient. Let your character be developed. Let your foundation be strengthened. Let your life be built up first. Is your integrity strong enough to properly handle what God is trying to get to you? Management of God's answer is your responsibility. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.